I want to read a couple texts for us before we jump in. Um, I know that most of us have heard these two verses from the Bible, these two sets of scriptures from the Bible that kind of highlight for us the familiar verses about how Christ the baby was born. But let me read these and then we're going to uh, really zoom in on just one particular text and look at it. But let's, let's read these two texts together um, that are very familiar. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. The second set of scriptures comes from Matthew, and it says this. This is Matthew 1, 18-25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. We're going to zero in on those last set of verses that we read, particularly on verse 21, where it says this, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We've been going through um, the nativity, something called the nativity, a, a study of the nativity over the past few weeks. And basically, if you look at a nativity, you know, you've got a few cast of characters there. You've got your, your magi, you've got your shepherds, you've got Mary and Joseph, and you've got the baby. And so over the last three weeks, baby Jesus, so over the last three weeks or so, we've been studying each set of verses that have to do with that. And so tonight, we're, we're finishing, we're coming to a final fruition of this nativity series um, on Jesus, because he is really the reason why Christmas Um, exists. That's why Christmas is going on. And so in Christmas, in this Christmas season, there can be a lot of complications. There can be a lot of stresses. There can be a lot of pressures, maybe even confusions. We've got several things that are going on. Things like... we got to think about Santa Claus, and we got to make sure we get our kids to take pictures with Santa Claus at the mall, and we got all those kinds of pressures. We've also got buying presents for people. Whether you have children or not, you got to buy presents. You don't know what to get, and there's people that 
you got to buy presents for that if you bought this for them, they could literally buy like 300 of those if they wanted to. And so you have no idea what to get them. Maybe I should just write them a poem. And you're like, I'm not a poet. I don't even know what to do. I, I can't color. I can't do anything. So there's the stresses and pressures, pressures and complications of what to get people. There's the decoration kind of stresses and complications. I, I don't know about you, but I'm not, a, I'm not an outdoor, you know, light up your house kind of guy. I, I just don't have the time maybe. But our neighborhood looks like the Griswold family Christmas. Um, if you are, there's one place where if you drive around the corner, right when you look up, you may go into epileptic shock because this house is literally just flashing at, I mean, it's not even together. It doesn't match any song or anything. It's just, you know, you feel like you're about to seize and run into the curb. Um, but there's all kinds of different complications. You got to figure out relatives. You got to know where are we going to go? We're going to go to their house, go here. How long are we going to stay? That's one of my only, my, my questions. Christy, how long are we going to stay? And, you know, I know that she's just thinking, Floyd, don't ask that question. Just let's go and let's just be. But I can't, I can't, I will enjoy it more if I know how long we're going to be there and how long that's going to happen so then I can, you know, go do other things. So we have all these complications, all these stresses, all these pressures about what's going on at this particular time of Christmas. And so what can happen is we can confuse or get stressed out or complicate the reason why we have Christmas. What's the point? Because we've got all these things. What's the point of Christmas? And so I don't want to, in all those complications and things, for there to be any stresses or any confusion or any kind of thing going about what's the real message about Christmas. And so that's, that's what I want to do today. In a very short time, I want to bring it down for us with, and kind of let you throw away all those things about the Griswold family Christmas and Santa and, you know, what am I going to buy? And let's just zero in on one particular thing. And I want to just answer this one particular thing. What is really the message of Christmas? What's the point? What is it that we celebrate? Why are we celebrating? And that's why we're going to zero in on verse 21. So we've got basically two people in the room. So we've got, because we, we say, um, well, if the message is about being a Christian and why Jesus came to save the people, I'm a Christian, I understand that FUD. So I can, I can take my pen, I can click it out, and I can just go to, you know, into royal sleep right here while I pray for those around me to hear this good news message. And so I want to I say, I know there's a couple people in the room, people, well, maybe three categories. There's people who know they're not believers. There's people who may think they're believers and they're not. And there's people who are believers. And this message is for every single one of us. For those that are believers, we all need to hear continually, tell me again what Jesus has done for me. So this is good gospel news for you if you're in Christ. I'm, th- this is gospelicious for you. This is gospel delicious. You need to hear about the birth of our Savior again and what he's done for you. But for those of you that might not know Christ, I don't want there to be any confusions about what the message is. I've had conversations with people plenty of times over my I don't know, 15 or so years being in ministry. And even before that, I was luckily the Lord granted me to be saved at a very young age. And I've always kind of been, hey, you need to hear about Jesus. It was a whole lot, you know, more in your face whenever I was younger. But I've had conversation after conversation after conversation with people. And a lot of times what I hear from people is um, when we talk about heaven and what it means to go to heaven and be with heaven, they, they kind of think of the scales and they say, well, as long as the things that I do that are good, it kind of outweigh the things that are bad, then Jesus is good with me and I'm fine. And I want to... I want to clear up these misconceptions because it doesn't matter how many good things you've done and if they outweigh the bad, you're still not going to be okay with God. God is not grading on a scale on your good and your bad. It's only grading on one particular thing and that's trust in Christ. The Bible says something completely different about the scales of doing good and bad. 
It's trust in Christ alone. Because if we're grading on scales, then it's just like this. We've sinned and there's no hope. But Christ can come. And if you put your faith in Christ, it it takes away that whole mindset and category. So what I want to do tonight is, while we're in the midst of craziness, zero in on one verse. And it says this. It's the second half of 21 where where the first half says, She will bear a son and you will call his name Jesus. This is a beautiful name, Jesus. Sometimes we might not understand what the meaning of this word is. Jesus in the Old Testament is just the name Joshua. Yeshua. And it literally means the Lord saves. And so we're calling him Jesus because it's a reminder letting us know the Lord saves, saves. Saves from what? Saves from whom? Sa- what, is, what does it mean to be saved? So that's what I want to talk about tonight. When it's, after that it says, for he will save his people, here it is, from their sins. So I just want to take one of those phrases each little time. We're going to have four little small points and I want to talk to you about the message of the gospel. And if you're not in Christ, I want you to listen to this. This is going to be the most transforming message you've ever heard in your life. It has nothing to do about what I have to say, only because of this is what the Lord has said. And if you're in Christ, let's just all rejoice and celebrate the coming of God himself to save us from our sins. First of all, it says, he will save his people from their sins. Let's look at he, because there was no other person that could save us from our sins. We need to get the he right to understand this message. He, John 14, 6, when Christ is talking, he says, I am the way. Notice the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when we read here, he will save his people from their sins, we must be clear that there is no one else that could do this. It couldn't be another religion. It couldn't be your best friend. It can't be you. You can't save yourself from your sins. We must understand that one of the key points here when he says he will save his people from their sins, it's Christ and Christ alone that can save us. John 14, 6 clears that up. There's another place in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Um, I should have written this down, but let me read Acts chapter 4, verse 12 to you. It says something very similar to that. This is what it says. And there is salvation in no one else, speaking specifically of Jesus. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven, given among men, by which we must be saved. And so as we talk about this message today, and we're thinking on Christ, and we're celebrating Christmas, Christ, we must realize that He, and He alone, is the only way for us to be saved. Nothing else. So that's point one, He. The second part of the sentence I want to key in on is, He will save His people from their sins. And so we're thinking about the word save, and we might ask the question, um, well, if you're not in Christ, did you even know that you need to be saved? Were you aware right now that you need to be saved? And you're thinking, saved? Saved from what? Saved from whom? You know, is there some crazy person around the corner that's going to try to run me over or grab me or something like that? What do I need to be saved from? Do I, am I going to be harmed? Um, this is what we mean by when we say saved. Saved literally is to be emancipated from the greatest evil, the guilt, the pollution, the power, and the punishment of sin, and to be placed in possession of the greatest good. Let me read that one more time, because this is what it means to be saved. It means to be pulled away from the course that you've chosen, willful sin, and be placed in something absolutely astounding. It says, 
to be emancipated from the greatest evil, pulled away from the greatest evil, the guilt, the pollution, and the power, and the punishment of sin. That's what you're being saved from, all these things. And it can only be done by Christ, which we've seen in that first one. And to be placed in the possession of the greatest good, namely God himself. This is what it means to be saved. And every single one of us has to be saved. We don't have the choice. We can't ask the question, can I or do I need to be saved? I don't know. None of us are James Bond caliber when it comes to the issue of whether we need salvation or not. Every single one of us, every one of us needs to be saved. And only Christ can do it. So let's keep looking at the the rest of this. And it says, for he will save who he's, who is he going to save? Who are the people that are going to be the recipients of this great, astounding salvation or redemption or removal from guilt and being placed in the precious hands of God? It says here, for he will save his people. Jesus died for his people. Now you might ask, and this would be a good question, but let's just kind of extend our minds a little bit further. The question is, well... Um, If he died for his people, how come he died for just those people? Or how is it that that happens that it's just for them? I think a better question would be, rather than think of it that way, say, how can I become one of his people? I, I don't want to die and be left in, as we talked about being saved, left to my sin, left to my guilt, left to my pollution, left to my punishment of my sin. Instead, I want to be saved. I want to be one of his people. How can I become one of his people? Not how come those people get it, but instead, how can I be one of those people? If Jesus has said clearly that he is the only way to be saved, and we need to be saved, we need to be pulled from that, and he's done it for his people, the only right question we have is, well, how can I get some of that? That's what I want. How can I be one of his people? That's a good question. Let's, let's talk about that because here's the last thing. that we. Here's the problem. How come we can't just all just be born one of his people? How come as soon as I'm born, I can't just automatically kind of default to, his, to be one of his people? Here's the last part of this particular sentence. And this, this helps us understand why we're not born default one of his people. Why there's something that has to happen. Because, here it is, he will save his people from, right here, their sins. Why are those first three things such a big deal? Why is it that Jesus is the only way? Why is it that we need to be saved? And why is it that his people are the ones that, that need to be saved? Because we all have a sin problem. Every single one of us. This is a universal problem. There's not one of us that hasn't sinned. And here's the thing. The moment we sin, the moment we're born as sinners, we are now on a separate path away from God. Every single one of us are born into sin and we need to be saved. We have willfully chosen that. Now, I've said this before, right when we got started. If you are in Christ, this is a familiar message for you. But let's just rejoice in this coming of Christ to be the one that would come and save us. Let's remind ourselves of the gospel as we listen to this and let the goodness of it just give us thankful hearts that he would come and do this because he was not, um, he did not have to come to save us. There was, there was no inclination in him that felt like he had to do it. He wanted to because he loves us. And so there's one particular problem here and it's sin. We're all sinners. It's a universal problem. Romans 3.23 is very clear when it says this. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you're not in Christ, 
If you don't know Christ, if you never put your trust in Christ, if I were to say, right now, would you say that you're a Christian? And you say either definitely not or I'm 80% sure. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm not. I'm still trying to work out what I've done, what I've not. Any of those, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to you. I'm just saying, 1 John 5 says, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. We can absolutely know that you, that you can be saved. L- let me give you an illustration of it this way. Let's say um, you were wanting to buy a house. Let's say, hey, I've got a, I know you've got one house, but every one of us would love a beach house. So we're all going to go buy a beach house. And so here's the offer. Who wants to buy a beach house? And here it is right here. It's, you know, $500,000, something crazy high. And so you say, well, I don't know if I can do that. I'm not sure. I need to go check my receipts. And all of us are probably like, no, I can't do that. But let's just say you're going to look in your receipts. You're, may, you're not sure. Maybe I can, maybe I not. You come back and you say, you know, um, we've checked receipts. Maybe we can do it. Maybe we can add it. Maybe some of you can. Maybe, and we're kind of unclear. We're not sure. Let's say I say, we got a beach house right here. It's $500,000. Then I take a million dollars and I shove it across the table to you. And I say, this is all yours. Can you buy the house right now? Yes, I can buy the house. I absolutely know that I can. That's exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to assurance of salvation. When we have been given the Holy Spirit by Jesus, there's no doubt. We don't wonder. I, uh, am, I, am I not? Maybe I'm 80% sure. I'm, not, I'm on the fence. I need to go kind of do some reassessment. Maybe whenever, this is the great gift. 1 John 5 says, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. And so if we all do a simple self-assessment of ourselves. Just, just think honestly, where am I when it comes to sin? We all know that we have been born sinners and that we sin continually. And if we're not in Christ, we need forgiveness from that. There's an there's a, there's a overriding awareness of that day by day. In some moments, you're more aware of it. In some moments, you're not aware of it. But you know the sin that you do needs to be forgiven. And this is actually a good thing. God has placed that awareness in you because he wants you to respond when you say, his people, how can I be one of those? You know that there's a sin problem. Now, our inclination is this. Every single one of us says this. Okay, if that's the the truth, then what I need to do then is I need to get myself all prepared. I need to get myself cleaned up. I need to run. I need to stop sinning. I need to get my life straight. I need to organize my life, get it all straight. And then finally I can clean myself up. I can get my sin all in order and stop doing those things. And now that that's happened, now that I can come and I can say, God, I've cleaned myself up. I'm all ready. Now I'm ready to be one of your people. That's the first inclination that all of us have whenever we are aware that we're a sinner. If you've heard this familiar story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, he had the same self-awareness. He's laying there in pig slop and he thinks, what am I doing laying in pig slop? This is ridiculous. I'm going to go back to my father. First, I need to get myself cleaned up and I need to go to him and say, father, I'm no longer counted worthy to be one of your sons. So what I should do is just say, Father, let, just let me be a slave. Just let me kind of live in the back, take care of the pigs. I, I don't want to live here in, pigs, in this pig slop anymore, but I'm not deserving to be your son anymore. Just let me be your slave, one of your servants. That's all I need. There's this something inside of us that needs to feel like we need to clean ourselves up first before we go. But if you're familiar with that story, as the son is walking, still dirty, hasn't been clean, just aware that he's a sinner and he needs to return home. It says that while he was still, the son was still a long way off. 
still a long way off. The father sees him a long way off, which means the father has been looking for him, waiting for his son or daughter to return. And it says, while he was still a long way off, the father took off and, you know, I'm a father and there's no way I could do this. So this is a pretty in-shape guy. Sprints towards him. If I sprinted like 20 yards, I'm stopping and barfing. But he, he, he sprints all the way to his son and he stands there right before his son. He doesn't say, clean yourself up first before you come into this house. You know what he says? He starts grabbing him and hugging him and kissing him. And he says, my son has returned. Put the robe on him. Kill the fatted calf. Put a ring on his finger. My son who is lost has now come home. And this is the exact message if you come to Christ today. This is the exact thing that happens. When you're self-aware, when you realize I'm a sinner and I want to be one of his people, there's no need for you to clean yourself up because that's the whole point of the cross. There's no need for you to think I have to get forgiven and get my life and my sin in order. That's the whole point of Jesus dying on the cross. Christ on the cross took all of your punishment, took all of the wrath of God and God put it all on him and you don't have to have it. All you have to do is come like the son and say, I want to be part of your people. I want to be forgiven for my sin. I trust that you have put all of it on Christ for me. And now I want to be your son. Now I want to be your daughter. You clean me because I never could clean myself the way that you could. Never. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. That's the meaning that God looked down on us and our terrible estate and didn't leave us there. But instead, out of great love with which he loved us while we were still sinners sinning against him doing evil against him loved us unconditionally and said i'm going to send my son now for them he's going to take all the sin all the punishment all of it and i'm going to lay lavish now forgiveness on them he will save his people from their sins if you're a believer in jesus right now if you're know that you're confident of your salvation, confident of your redemption, then this is great reason that as we're going into the next couple days of the holidays, to center in, to feast on Christ, to focus on Christ, and let your heart extend out worship to Him over the next couple days. Teach your children the real meaning of why we're celebrating Christmas these next couple days. I'm not saying don't, you know, do all the other fun things. Do those things. But teach your children the real meaning of what Christmas is about. If you're not in Christ, if you know that you're not a believer, or you're just absolutely unsure, I think the best question that I can ask you is this. Um, Are you confident, right now in this moment, are you absolutely confident of your salvation and redemption? Are you confident right now today of your salvation? Because if you're not if you're not confident of your redemption in Christ, if you're not confident that your sins have been forgiven, you absolutely can be right now. You absolutely can be in these moments, December the 24th, 2012, in a random building in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Your eternal security can be secure. You can be absolutely sure forever that you'll be with Christ right now. So in these next couple songs, we're going to sing. We're going to sing to Christ. And there's an invitation, not being extended by me, it's being extended through me as 
2 Corinthians 5, I'm imploring you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God this evening. The invitation is out there for anyone. If you don't know you're in Christ, you can celebrate, listen to this, this is so great. You can celebrate Christmas tomorrow as a believer in Christ. You can celebrate finally tomorrow with the real meaning of Christmas. And that's being extended out to you right now. We're going to sing a couple songs to Christ if you're a believer and if you're not of invitation. It doesn't matter to me your age. God is not concerned if you're 70 or if you're 6. If you are feeling something inside of you that says, I want to know Christ, whatever your age, come talk to me. I got to lead my dad to Christ at age 65. He thought he was a Christian his whole life. Got to lead him to Christ at age 65. So if you know that you are not confident in your salvation, today's the day for salvation. I, I extend that out to you. And if you are in Christ, let's just, let's just think on, meditate on, and be thankful again for this great gospel message that Jesus Christ looked on our humble, poor estate and said, I'm going to save them because they're my people and I love them. So I'm going to pray and we're going to sing. And if you would like, um, I'm going to be right back over here. And there's a little hole in the room over there. That's where I'm going to be. And if you want to talk, if you know that you don't know Christ, don't be embarrassed. Rejoice that you are wondering that you're not sure and that rejoice that God has opened up your mind and opened up your heart and opened up your ears to say, yes, I want to respond. Yes, I want to be one of his people. And yes, I want to be a Christian. I want to, I want to be eternally secure with Christ forever, clean and forgiven for all my sins. And if you're in Christ, let's just stand and worship him with everything we have this evening. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us to gather together, to celebrate your birth. God, I thank you for this opportunity you've given me to preach the gospel. It's, it's always a great message to hear from my own soul, to be reminded of what Christ has done, that there's nothing that I have to do, but it's all about what Christ has already done, that I am completely forgiven of all my sin right now. And now I can live in that forgiveness. I pray for my friends here, Lord, if there's anyone right now that knows that they're not in Christ, I pray, Lord, that you would awaken them right now by the power of the Spirit, that you would awaken their awareness that they don't know Christ, and that this evening, right now, that they would begin to realize that they need Christ, realize they need forgiveness of their sins, and they would put their trust and their faith in Christ and in Christ alone, because he is the only one that can save us. If you know that you're not in Christ right now, I just want to invite you to, in your mind and in your heart, pray with me. Say something according to this. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I need forgiveness of my sin. Would you forgive me now? Would you come into my heart? Would you cleanse me like you did the prodigal son? And would you save me and help me know eternally that I'm secure with you in heaven. When you pray something like that, it's not the prayer that saves you, it's the words that are indicating that you've put your faith in Christ and that faith, that trust, that is what saves. Faith in Jesus saves you forever. 
And if you've said something like that and you've indicated and shown that you have faith, God has given you that and you are now a Christian. And we want to know about that. If you prayed that prayer right now, I just invite you, with everybody's eyes closed, you don't have to worry about it, would you slip your hand up right now and let us know that you prayed to receive Christ? We'd love to have record of it. If you would, as we're singing these next couple songs, whenever we're going to take up the offering, there's a connection card underneath you. Fill out that connection card and just write, I pray to receive Christ tonight. We want to be able to get in contact with you and tell you about your next steps as a believer. God, we thank you for this evening. We thank you that we can worship you. We thank you that we can come here and celebrate as a church family your birth your coming, your salvation that's now extended to us. You have saved your people from their sins. Jesus, Yeshua, the Lord saves. And we stand now and we celebrate that together in song. Praise in Jesus' name, amen.